Hi everyone, this is Danny. And this is Sharissa, ready to bring you Looking Up. Stay tuned. It's the Looking Up program with Danny, Shell, and Sharissa. And we are so glad that you are tuning in to Faith FM right now to join us for this program. How are you today, Pastor I'm Danny? praising the Lord and I'm all rugged up at the same time. Yeah, it's On cold. First day of winter and I'm free. 
freezing, 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 freezing. It is cold. And, uh, yep, but there's something good about the cold too. At least you know you're alive. Absolutely. <laughs> you can feel it. Oh, and I've got to pinch myself and ask myself, am I living still in Melbourne or have I left Melbourne permanently? <laughs> That's right. We're currently experiencing the Arctic feels Minus here. 25 degrees it's in Newcastle. It's about 15 no. degrees in Newcastle today. But, uh, yeah, we missed you last week. You had a funeral that you were up um, in Queensland, yes. Running up there. Yeah, and, uh, that's one thing that we can be sure of, sadly, this side of the coming of Jesus, but that day will also come to an end when the last funeral will be had. <laughs> Won't that be a wonderful oh, day? I can't wait. Can't <laughs> Say goodbye wait. to those things. Well, we're glad that you're back and we are looking forward to the Bible study that is going to happen mm, today. It's going we- to be, it's, it's pretty big. It's another yeah. big one. So what? give us a little bit of okay, a Okay, today we're going to be talking about one of the most um, uh, sought-after answers in Bible prophecy that Christians and non-Christians wonder and ask about. We're going to be talking about the mark of the beast, mm-hmm. its implications, especially at the end of time, the, the opposite to the mark of the beast, the seal of God. You will either have one or the other at the end of time. You'll either be saved or lost based on your Final decision. So we're talking about that big hot topic. Huge. It's huge topic. So that's what we're going to be looking at today. Yeah. So as we continue to journey through the third angel's message, that third and final angel's message. Excellent. Well, you do not want to leave this channel. Stay with us. Just a reminder that you can access all the past episodes of this um, program as a podcast on the Faith FM website faithfm.com.au and just go to the looking up tab there and you'll find them all as podcasts and also because this is a live program we welcome your comments your prayer requests and your questions the number to reach us here live in studio is 04 1762 so 04-888-1762-4 we will have a prize giveaway to some of our listeners who are really quick with their phones and the code word when we give it out. So you'll want to keep that number very close. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to talking about these big topics. The Mark of the Beast is, is definitely one that uh, gets a lot of Google searches. So, uh, yes. This will be a worthy study for sure. We're going to listen to the Booth Brothers right now as they bring to us this musical offering without the Lord. Should ring 
what sweet hallelujahs we sing. Each day we see these wondrous things. They plainly show the blessings He brings. Can we deny His tender care? Nature around should make us somewhere. How could there be a river flowing without the Lord? Not a flower would grow. Our praises should ring. What sweet hallelujahs we sing! We sing. Our praises should ring. What sweet hallelujahs we sing! That was the Booth Brothers. We were having a little discussion here, asking if it was the Booze Brothers or the Booth Brothers. Definitely the Booth Brothers. Or the Blues Brothers. For those of you who are old enough, you'll remember the Blues Brothers. But no, these were the Booth Brothers. The Booth Brothers, and they they gave us a good song. Well, it's time for us to talk about current events. And uh, we always do this. Why do we do this? Well, the reason why we do it, because our show is called Looking Up. Because Jesus said in Luke twenty one twenty eight, when you see all these things come to pass, look up because your redemption is drawing near. And so when we see Bible prophecy being fulfilled before our very eyes, these things tell us to look up because Jesus is about to come. So each and every day that passes, we are seeing more and more Bible prophecy being fulfilled before mm-hmm. our very eyes, and so this um, brings you know joy and excitement to our to our hearts. Not that we're excited about all the carnage mm-hmm. and the chaos in the world, but we're excited because this means that those labor pains are coming to their completion, That's and right. Jesus is about to return. And you know, there are people that might be thinking, "Well, we've we've always had these things. Like we've always had wars. Indeed we have. There's always been earthquakes and pandemics and all these kinds of things. What would you say to that?" Well, I would say to that, that is true. That has always been the case. But when Jesus used that analogy of the labor pains, he said that at the end of time, just before he returns. All those things that have happened in the past that you mentioned, you know, famines and, um, you know, wars and uh, pestilences and earthquakes and other natural disasters, they will all converge together. Mm-hmm. So, so all the lines are going to be heading in one direction um, exponentially all together. I call it convergence. Mm. And if you look up that word convergence in the dictionary, it simply means, you know, that everything is coming together at the same time. The media often refers to this concept as the perfect storm. Yeah. You know, when, when a number of conditions come together to create the perfect storm, and often it's a literal perfect storm, and we've had a couple of them um, in, in recent times when it comes to the floods, where a number of factors, you know, weather patterns and so forth have come together to create these super cell you know, storms that have created havoc and floods and people have lost their lives and and livelihoods and and so much more. And so Jesus said before he comes, all these things will be coming together. Mm -hmm. And so we are clearly seeing this take place. And um, and that's why we outlined what we do, because we're we're simply tracking the signs that Jesus gave us to tell us that indeed we're, we're... near even at the doors, as he said in Matthew 24. Amen. And he really did give us a a pretty good list of signs, which we are seeing taking place in the world 
with great convergence. <laughs> we could put it like that. So, indeed. Um, indeed. What did you find? All right. Well, well, let's just take a look at. I mean, in Matthew twenty-four, you know, verses six and seven, um, there Jesus talks about, you know, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you know you are not troubled. Um, the end is not yet. That nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and you know there will be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in various places. And I'm kind of you know ad libbing there, but that's that that's. That's what the scriptures say there in Matthew 24, verses 6 and 7. And it followed, you know, all these are the beginning of sorrows. So when it comes to that, I've been fascinated to, to, to read what's been taking place, I guess, in the last few months only. And um, there has been a little bit of media attention, mm-hmm. um, a little bit on the news, but not much. And for good reason, because we know what life was like when we moved into lockdowns and when toilet paper ran out. So I don't need to remind us. <laughs> I don't need to remind us, do I, Shelly? Uh, Shell? <laughs> Where did I you get that from? You might be mute. You might get cancelled. <laughs> <laughs> I might get cancelled, Shell. Um, Shell, she cancelled me or not. Um, time will tell. <laughs> oh. <laughs> He's gone off air. I'm gone off air. I'm back. Just just when I thought it was safe to come back on air. Um, but what was I saying? I can't remember what I was saying. I'm trying to remember that. Before I got sidetracked. Something that was not talked about. In the oh, news. that's right. Yeah. That which was not talked about. Um, well, yeah, hasn't been talked about um, in the media for good reason because, you know, there'd be once again a run on the supermarkets and so forth. But apart from, apart from supply chains um, being disrupted, with COVID mm-hmm. and, you know, the workforce and, you know, people in isolation and so on and so forth. What we're finding now with uh, the war in Ukraine, as I've pointed out earlier, you know, Russia and the Ukraine supply an incredible percentage of the world's wheat, um, corn supplies, um, you know, sunflower um you know, we get sunflower oil, you know, pretty much I think 70, 80% comes from Ukraine and Russia, not to mention, not to mention fertilizer and so forth that comes from there. And so there was a really interesting um, article that came out um, in worldgrain.com and the title was Food Supply Expert Paints a Grim Global Picture. And this is really interesting because Jesus said there would be famines. Yep. And uh, there'd be pestilences and there would be war. So he, Jesus outlined all three of those. And if you throw in earthquakes or natural disasters, you know, you've got the perfect storm. And so we've had all these things taking place. And, it, and um, it, I'm just going to read a bit of this um, article. It starts off with, she says, this is a, a, a world export, her, oh, a world export, a world <laughs> expert. Um, her name is Sarah Menka and she's the chief executive officer of Grow Intelligence, and she gave this report to the United Nations Security Council on May 19th. So that's not so long ago, just Mm -hmm. a couple of weeks ago. Anyway, she said that global wheat inventories currently stand at about 10 weeks of global consumption. So we've got about 10 weeks of reserves when it comes to when it comes to our, our wheat supply. Wow, that's not very long. That's not very long. Ten that gets weeks. you through two months and that's exactly, about it. Exactly, two and a half months. She says it is important to note that the lowest grain inventory levels the world has ever seen are now occurring while access to fertilizers is highly constrained, which I mentioned earlier. And drought in wheat growing regions around the world is the most extreme it's been in over twenty years. So can you see the perfect storm here? Mm. We've got drought 
you know, they'll say that that that's due to climate change. Mm-hmm. We have we have fertilizers um, not being accessed. That's due to the war. You know, the Russians and and Belarus in particular, they supply a lot of the fertilizers. I'm not sure about um, Ukraine, but there's nothing really going in and out. You know, the the West have put sanctions on Russia, and so the Russia are returning the favor, mm-hmm. and so it's a real mess. Wow. Um, and then on top of that, on top of that, you've got you know higher inflation, you've got higher costs, oil, oil's gone through the roof. We all know that when we go to the petrol pump. I mean, $2 a litre. Have mercy. Mm, 220. 220. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, it's it's just crazy. Apparently cra- in New Zealand they're paying much more than that too. Oh, yeah, I know, and, and it's crazy. And this is this is what she says. Talk about this convergence. Here we go. This is and I'm just quoting from this article. It says Menka cited five major factors occurring simultaneously. <laughs> Hello. There's our convergence. That's our convergence. Okay. <laughs> that are each individually extraordinary. So each one of these is a big deal, mm. okay, on its own, let alone you put all five of them together in the same pot at the same time, it's going to blow. All right, let me, I'm just getting a bit excited here. Let me just settle down. <laughs> Otherwise, um, Shell will know how to settle me right down. <laughs> just cancel me again. She says, here they are. Here are the five, um, the, these five factors occurring simultaneously. Lack of fertilizer, climate disruptions, record low inventories in cooking oils, you know, the, the sunflower oil in particular, um, record low inventories of grains and logistical bottlenecks that already have started to unravel decades of global economic progress. So we've had decades of economic progress now is being literally unraveled in a matter of months. That's what she's saying. Wow. Since 2022 began, it's only been five months. She's in, This is just mind-boggling. You, you got... You want to hear some more mind-boggling stuff? This is just straight out of Matthew 24 and the labor pains. She says, she says, what has happened in the last 20, sorry, in the last five months, we have undone 20 years of progress. Wow. Here we go. Let, 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 let me read this to you. <laughs> she says, when it comes to world poverty, when it comes to world poverty, she says, in five months, we have undone 20 years of progress. In other words, to put it to put it in numbers terms, she's saying that today, and as a result of what's taking place, they, the United Nations is estimating that there'll be 400 million more people pushed into poverty mm. as a result of this perfect storm that's occurring right now that we've outlined. And those 400 million people in poverty, it took 20 years to take them out of poverty. And now in five months, they'll be all back in poverty. I know you're shaking your head. I'm shaking. This is just mind-boggling, and um, and what she says. So, and she's and she's talking. She's saying countries are disproportionately affected um, in regions such as North Africa, the Middle East, and the Horn of Africa and Western Central Asia. So, guess who's 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 copping the brunt of you know of this of this horrible situation of of poverty and um and food shortages and high and high price rises i mean it's right across the board but especially amongst the poorest of the poor mm. That's incredible. Where were you pulling that article from? I was pulling this article from um, worldgrain.com. So okay. worldgrain.com, and the title is Food Supply Expert Paints Grim Global Picture. It was very grim. <laughs> yeah, it was very grim. So this tells us that indeed 
you know, the coming of Jesus is very near. Now, this woman, I don't know whether she's a Christian or not. I have no idea. But she's literally speaking biblical language here. She's speaking the words that Jesus said. When we see these things, look up because your redemption is drawing near. Now, I've got the latest Time magazine here. It's your favorite magazine. Uh, my favorite magazine. What Jesus <laughs> said, we need to be mindful of the signs of the times. He did say that in Matthew 16. That's a much. That's also a good magazine. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and it's interesting here. Um, this is World Economic Forum. Them, you know, with oh, the, yes. the, the who's who of the political and, you know, the business fraternity come together once a year in, in a place called Davos mm-hmm. there in Switzerland. They haven't had a meeting in the last couple of years because of COVID. Yep. And so this was the first time they could get together. And so, yeah, we've got, you know, global leaders, you know, the like I said, you know, uh, the who's who in the zoo when it comes to those who are <laughs> when it comes to those who are who are the movers and the shakers in the world, those who are making big decisions. And um, and anyway, there were three articles here from that particular you know World Economic Forum that has just um, been held. And it's interesting. Um, the there there was one. Oh boy, I, I don't know where to start. Let, let let me just go to this one here regarding. Um, our our soil erosion. This was really interesting. It says um, our planet is sending a new distress signal, and it's in in connection in connection. Let, 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 me, let me find this term here. I didn't I didn't highlight it. I should have highlighted. It. But as far as soil um, erosion, there's a new term. Where are we here? Um, soil extinction. Oh yeah, I've never heard of, heard of that before. Soil extinction. Now soil extinction is really interesting because this is. This is like actually biblical from the Old Testament. What what they're saying, I'll, I'll just read this to you. Can soil ever turn extinct? Yes, it can, writes this article. Um, well, well this, Indi- this Indian gentleman um, who's writing here, who's an expert in this space, he says, if you remove organic contact in the form of plant litter and animal waste from soil that turns into sand, this is called desert Desertification. Desertification. <laughs> Conversely, if you add organic contact to sand, it becomes soil. Soil extinction may be a relatively new term, as it is for you and, and as it was for me and for many of our listeners, but the process it describes has been unfolding over the past 100 to 150 years because of unsustainable agricultural practices. He goes on, he says, an acre of soil in the world is turning into desert every second. Wow. This is a statistic with grave consequences for all life on this planet. And the way to prevent that would have been to let the land rest. Yes, yes. So in the Old Testament, we have God um, commanding the children of Israel to work the land six years and to rest it one year. And so when you rest the land, you're given an opportunity to, you know, to reset and for those minerals and so forth. But we are raping, to use that you know, mm-hmm. language, where we're raping the soil of all its nutrients. And he goes on and talks so about... Yeah, and he talks about how, um, you know, Americans, I guess that's that's anyone in the West, are potassium deficient, um, 88% of them. They are vitamin E deficient, 67% of them, you know, vitamin K deficient. And he's saying that's because, you know, the food doesn't have the nutrients that it used to have. Isn't that amazing? So this is really, really fast. So all these things are converging. And we've only talked about a few <laughs> things here. I know. Some of the things I'd never even thought of, let alone know, all the I other know. headlines. And, uh, and there's so much more. And they're talking about, you know, global warming and, you know, and it's heating up in India. They had 50 degree days, but you bring in air conditioners. So that creates issues with mm. climate change and 
and you know, and the other one was also technology and the chips, and they're all there in China, Taiwan, South Korea. What happens if a war breaks out there? That's going to disrupt all the chips that we use in our computers. I'm telling you, it's just all happening. I'm telling you, it's time to go so, to the beach and just sunbake. And, and no. it's time to look up. It's time to look up. <laughs> when the world looks a mess, look up <laughs> because your redemption draws. So, aren't you glad Jesus you tuned in? Amen. Well, we're going to have some uplifting music now. After that. Melissa Otto is going to bring to us Who Is This? and we will continue after the news with more.
Bushfires, pandemics, floods, social unrest, and global warfare. Where is our world heading? Learn the answer from Daniel, prisoner of war who became the prime minister of ancient Iraq. He foretold future world kingdoms and events affecting our lives today. Seminar series starting 29th of June at 6 p.m. Community Hall, corner of Cowper and Gipps Streets, Tari. Free soup and buns at 5.45 p.m. Phone Graham on 0447-444-424. Or just come and join us for this eye-opening series. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. everyone you're listening to a repeat of our live show looking up that's right and if you think this is good you'll definitely want to tune in on wednesdays at 3 30 to join us for the live event because you can actually participate it's a free giveaway that you can claim you can text in your questions and prayer requests live is so much more fun so catch you then You are listening to Looking Up, if you hadn't worked that out already. (laughs) And we are excited now to begin our Bible study segment. Before we do, we will have a prize to give away, and we will let you know what that is in just maybe even the next segment. But the number to comment or contact us if you want to share something or you have a question that the Bible study generates is this one, 0488 You can use that number. We will hear from you. We'd love to hear from you. Any questions, we'd love to hear them and uh, address them as much as we can in the Bible study. And so, yeah, I'll hand over to you, Pastor Denny. Thank you so much, Sharissa. And, yeah, I'm looking forward to this study. It's a very, very important study mm-hmm. as we journey through the three angels' messages and we are into the third angels' message. So... I want to thank, yeah, Sharissa and uh, Justin, her other half, <laughs> her wonderful husband. And last week they, they took us on a journey through looking at, you know, pain and suffering and how, and, how God, and how God gives us strength during our times of pain and suffering and crises and so forth. And he, he, Justin shared his own journey, which is, I guess, your journey together. Mm-hmm. And that was really, really powerful. I was... I was heading home and from the airport when that was all taking place from the Newcastle airport. I was listening and I was really blessed, Mm -hmm. thoroughly blessed. Listen to the whole thing, so it was great. Yeah, the Looking Up show is definitely my favourite show. Definitely (laughs) my favourite show. (laughs) 
<laughs> All right. So anyway, thanks guys for that. And yeah, I was just reminded of that day when there'll be no more tears, no more pain, no more mm-hmm. suffering. I was visiting um, a couple, an elderly couple, um, before coming on the show this afternoon and you know, the husband was in tears, you know, suffering from, you know, depression, um, severe depression, and his wife was just unwell as well. Mm. And and I said to him as we prayed together, you know, the day is coming when, you know, those tears will be dried up. Yeah. And, you know, you'll ask me, Danny, what are tears? And, um, <laughs> yeah, we, we will forget what it's like um, because God says he will take all those things away and, Yes, you'll make of these, all things new. All of these terrible things that we experience in this world give yeah. us a longing for heaven. That's exactly right. Yeah, we're homesick for, for heaven, that's as it. someone put it. So, yeah, that's why we are in this series, because this series is the gospel at the end of time. Jesus mm-hmm. said the gospel needs to go to the whole world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. And in Revelation 14, verses 6 to 12, we have the gospel in an end-time context. as described there as the everlasting gospel. That needs to go to every nation, kindred, tongue, and people. And in case you're joining us for the very first time, just to catch you up, um, in brief, uh, God's three final messages of love um, are centered in the first message where God presents his truth, so God's truth, the second angel's message where God exposes Satan's lies, and in the third angel's message, God says it's your choice. Mm -hmm. And so that's where we are going today. We're going to be taking a look at this choice because in Revelation um, we have we have those that will choose to receive the mark of the beast and sadly they will be lost and those who will choose to receive the seal of God and they will be saved. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to the, the mark of the beast question, uh, there's a lot of confusion in Christian circles. You know, you, you I think you shared earlier regarding... You know, the Internet, we've got the Internet today, um, which we didn't have, I guess, 30-odd years ago, but today we have the Internet. And if you type into Google, which I did today, I typed into Google the words, what is the mark of the beast in the Bible? Guess how many hits I had? Uh, something in the area of millions. Yes, eight, <laughs> 8.3 million. Mm. 8.3 million websites. The truth's out there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> that have something to say about the mark of the beast in the Bible. And so a lot of, a lot of Christians in particular simply give up on the idea. And mm. they are like, look, this is just impossible to know. Um, how on earth am I really supposed to know what it is? It's obviously important, but yeah, don't really know. Maybe it's not that significant. So we want to begin. By praying, I'm going to invite you to pray, and then I'm going to invite you to read uh, that third angel's message, and then we'll discover whether this is important to know or not. So do you want to pray for us, Sharissa, and then if you could read that. All right. Our loving Father in heaven, we thank you that we have the opportunity to study this incredible message. We pray for your Holy Spirit to help us understand. Pray for our listeners that you would bless them, and may we be enriched from our time together in your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. So would you like to read for us, please, um, Revelation 14, verses 9 to 12. So if you've got your Bibles out there, feel free to follow along. You're driving, well, listen carefully and keep your (laughs) eyes on the road. (laughs) Here we go. Then a third angel followed them, 
that's the previous two angels, saying with a loud voice, if anyone worships the beast and his image and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night who worship the beast and his image, and who Whoever receives the mark of his name. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Okay. There's a lot in there, isn't there? There's an awful lot in there's there. There's a lot in there. And we're, we've only started unpacking that a couple of weeks ago when we first started. And so this is so, so important, Sharissa, in that God here is giving, as we discovered, this is the most serious warning in all the book of Revelation. In pro- I would suggest in the entire Bible. I think so. And so the question we need to ask is, would God say, under no circumstances, receive the mark of this beast, power, don't worship his image, and not make it abundantly clear what that would be? I don't think so. That's not how God works. The Bible says God is love. Love wouldn't do that. No, love wouldn't do it. And you think about, you, you think about history. Mm-hmm. Um, before the flood, were there warnings given by God? Yes. How long did Noah preach for? 120 years. Okay, well, okay, let, let's move on from there. Well, even at the very beginning, let's go right to the very beginning. Adam and Eve. God did, told them. <laughs> did they know? They knew. Did they, did they know which tree? They did. So it was crystal clear. It wasn't, well, just careful of that tree in the garden somewhere. It was in the midst of the garden. And God named that tree. So they knew that tree. They knew it by name. And God said, leave that tree alone. Otherwise, you'll experience the consequences, which is death. Mm-hmm. What about the Babylonian captivity? Um, the, you know, the ten tribes going into you know, Assyrian captivity. Did God give them a heads up? Did God give them warnings through prophets? Yep, absolutely. It's been his habit to do so. Absolutely. What about what about the destruction of Jerusalem once again? In Jesus himself warned us about that. Absolutely, didn't he? And he even gave, and Jesus even gave in Matthew twenty four, and that's going to be a study that we're going to be looking at, um, yeah, at a later time. You you, know, you won't want to miss that Matthew twenty four study when we go through that in detail. But there, Jesus told the Christians or those that put their faith and trust in him and his word when they were to escape, mm-hmm. and they did. And everything happened just as he said. So God has never been in the business of keeping secret those things that are in our eternal well-being and interest. Amen. He's never done that. Mm-hmm. And so and so God here would reveal what the truth is. Now, um, as, as we pointed out in the book of Revelation, we've got opposites, you know, you've there are opposites all the way through. Contrasts. Uh, contrasts, yes. Um, I don't know if you want to read some of those just for our listeners, just, just to give give our listeners an indication of how many contrasts or, mm-hmm. or opposites we've got in the book of Revelation. So here's a few. There's the lamb and it's contrasted with the dragon. There's the new Jerusalem and there's Babylon. There's a holy trinity and there's a counterfeit trinity. There are three angels' messages and there are three unclean spirits that, like frogs that come mm-hmm. out of the Revelation frogs. 16. Uh, there are commandment keepers and commandment breakers. There's a virgin and then there is a harlot. There is the bride and the lamb versus the harlot and the beast. And there's the saved from the new earth. There's the lost in the lake of fire. There's eternal life versus eternal death. 
holy and unholy, righteous and righteous, God's cup of salvation, Satan's cup of damnation. There's a harvest of grapes and a harvest of grain. There's a seal of God and there's the mark of the beast. So can you see there's two opposites? Yes. You know, well, or, the, or there's a contrast. There's two choices too. There's two choices, yeah. And, that, and that's what the third angel's message, it's about giving people a choice. Now, the mark of the beast is simply the mark of authority of this beast power. And so we've discovered who this beast power is. It's none other than the Roman papacy, mm-hmm. um, the Roman papal system. So we're not talking about people. We're talking about a system, a religio-political system outlined in Daniel chapter 7, Revelation 13. We looked at that in our previous presentation in case people um, need, to, need to pick up on that. Now, there's a lot of people that I bump into. Well, there are, before that, there are the three big questions here in the third angel's message is who is the beast? What is the image of the beast and what is the mark of the beast? They're the three big questions here that we need to answer. And so today we're going to be looking at the second, um, which is what is the mark of the beast. And next week we're going to look at what the image of the beast is. Now, when it comes to the mark of the beast, there's a popular perception out there or belief that it's the number 666. Have you heard that before? Absolutely. (laughs) I also heard people asking, is it the vaccine? (laughs) Oh, yes. Well, do you know what? (laughs) One of my church members, one of my church members sent me something in harmony with what you just said. Really? And I'm like, really? I mean, obviously, with the internet, everything's out there. You know, every man and his dog, you know, publishes whatever they feel like. I had had someone ask me the same question. Is the vaccine the mark of the beast? And I said, well, let's read what the Bible says. (laughs) I said, it's received in the forehead or the right hand. The vaccine is received in your arm. In your arm. It's definitely not. your right or left shoulder. (laughs) So even just from that simple point of view. Now, this this was really fascinating. Um, Someone, I mean, look, people have got time on their hands and they come up with these interesting ideas. Well, even before that, even before we look at, you know, the, the current, you know, vaccine theory of the mark of the beast, um, in the past when the, when the chip came out mm-hmm. or the barcode, remember when the barcodes came out? Yes. You know, with those three stripes? I don't think I was alive. No, then. you weren't alive, but um, I'm not sure if I was. But <laughs> a lot of people kidding. thought that was the mark of the beast. Okay. Don't buy products. Don't buy products that have a barcode. Yep. I mean, what are you going to buy these days? Everything's got a barcode on it. <laughs> You know, there's there's nothing you can buy yep. unless you get it from your next door neighbor's sort of you know garage where he's selling his local produce from his garden. <laughs> then the credit cards came out, and people thought, okay, yep, you know, this is this is it. Don't get yourself a credit card. Whatever you do, do not get a credit card <laughs> uh, because the mark of the beast has been inserted in that. Then there was the chip, of course, um, and I thought, you know, right hand, forehead, these little chips, and they're so tiny now. You know, they, these tiny little chips and obviously now the vaccine. And you can understand the vaccine, why some people might have, because there was headlines that said no jab, no job. And in yeah. the Mark of the Beast exactly. crisis, you can't buy or sell. That's right. So I think that's why this that's person right. is yeah, wondering. Yeah, they put two and two together and they thought, well, yeah. I wonder if, if that's it. One, I mean, one of my cousins asked me that. One of my cousins asked me, is the vaccine the Mark of the Beast? <laughs> because the Bible says we just read it, don't. Yep. Take the mark of the beast under any circumstances. Like, oh, does this mean you know I'll get the mark of the beast if I get the vaccine? So it's not. It's no. absolutely not because it's dealing with worship. But anyway, this was really fascinating. Someone, <laughs> <laughs> check this out. You can't make this stuff Who up. Who made this? Well, up? someone did, not me. Anyway, Corona. Okay, so they looked at Corona 
And they said, well, Corona has six letters, right? C-O-R-O-N-A, six letters. <laughs> all right, so you got the six there. And then um, the C equals three. So A, B, C. So each letter, you know, as you go along. Um, I add, didn't know yeah, that O was C, 15. C, yeah, O is the 15th letter of the alphabet. Gotcha. R is the 18th letter of the alphabet. O, once again, the 15th letter. N is the 14th letter of the alphabet. And the A at the end of Corona is the first letter, so that's one. So you add up C-O-R-O-N-A, 3, 15, 18, 15, 14, and 1, and guess how many you get to? 66. 66. And how many letters in Corona? Six. So what do you have? Well, yeah, six, 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 six. And they're like, this is it. It's got to be it. And then, <laughs> and then the person was even more creative and they looked at COVID-19. Okay, <laughs> COVID-19. And they said, this is what COVID-19 stands for. It stands for Certificate of Vaccination ID. <laughs> okay. And the AI... Um, sorry, and the 19 is are the letters AI, like A for one, um, yeah. I for nine, artificial intelligence. So wow. the certificate of vaccine identification that is placed within you to track you through AI. Now, so someone's got a lot of time so, on their hands. Someone's got a lot of time. Okay, so that's what's wow. out there. And our time is running out. And our time is running out just as well, so I don't need to share any more of these crazy theories. That's not the mark of the beast, folk, but okay. we will discover what it is and what the seal of God is, which is even more important. So back. just stay with us. We're going to listen to Randy Travis's uh, version of Jerusalem's Cry, and then we will talk more about what the Bible says about the mark of the beast. Can you hear Jerusalem's cry? Can you see the storm on the rise? Look around, you can't deny This is the hour of heaven's time Armies gather in the east For the war that's soon to come with the mark of the beast So seek the light And walk with the sun Soon we'll see His wrath come down And the Lord descending from the sky When you hear the trumpet sound God has answered Jerusalem's cry Yeah. 
Jerusalem's cry. God has answered Jerusalem's cry. Soon the dead in Christ will rise and join Him in the sky. Randy Travis bringing us Jerusalem's Cry, and we are continuing. We were we were just getting into some very in deep, uh, in depth, <laughs> in deep, in depth conversation on the Mark of the Beast, and I think we've we've put them all on the table, all the different theories. But but what does the Bible say? That's what we want to know. That is exactly what we want to know. We want to know what the Bible has to say. And um, and as I pointed out, this is a this. Is, oh, sorry. I just remembered I forgot to tell everyone there's a prize. Yeah, I was waiting for that. I was waiting for that. (laughs) All right, everyone. This is the moment of truth. Today we have a wonderful little book available. There's only three copies, so that means it's the first three people to Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. text us today's code word. Uh, But this book is by Nina Aitchison. Oh, Nina. And it's called As Light Lingers, Basking in the Word of God. I have this book. Do you have the book? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's uh, very easy for our lives to get very busy and filled with things that maybe aren't that important, but we need to spend time in God's Word. How do you read God's Word? Where do you start? What should you do? This is a book that you will find helpful in answering all of those questions. So... If you want to obtain today's copy, if you want to be in the running, you have to be the first three people, one of the first three to connect with us here with the text, uh, with a texted code word. But the code word is seal. Seal. Now, seal as in like the animal. Like the animal. Okay. So seal, S-E-A-L. And the number to text the code word to is 04-888-17624. There's only three copies of this incredible book. So you want to be quick. 04-888-17624. The code word today is seal. Indeed. Indeed. All right, folks. So let's continue on with our Bible study as we're unpacking the seal of God and the mark of the beast, these two opposites. And there will be two camps. Um, We have been warned not to receive the mark of the beast, for in doing so we will worship the dragon, and the dragon is Satan, of course, according to Revelation 12. And you can read about that in Revelation 13, verse 3 and 4, where God says, you know, do not. You know, do not worship the beast because if you do, yeah, you'll be worshiping the dragon who is Satan. So that's why this is serious because Satan will seek to take 
the prerogatives that belong to God and God alone, and the greatest of them is worship. He's always wanted worship. So mm-hmm. that's why the end time issue is over worship. It's not over a vaccine. It's over worship. It's a very important point. It is a very important worship. point. It is. It is. Because that's what the war and the conflict has been um, all about ever since sin entered the world. Satan, um, well, before he was Satan, he was Lucifer, and he became Satan because he wanted the position of God. He wanted to be like God. That's what Isaiah chapter 14 tells us in Ezekiel 28. You know, he wanted to be like God. He wanted to be worshipped. And worship belongs to God and God alone because he's the creator. You know, he's, he is the one that gives us breath and life. He And so he deserves he alone deserves to be worshipped because he is our creator. He's the creator um, of all the angels, including Lucifer, who became Satan. So that is why he alone um, is is worthy of worship and no one else is worthy of worship. Amen. So let's take a look at the contrast of these two groups. Um, one group um, that receives the mark of the beast, sadly, uh, the bowls, um, the seven bowls are poured out upon them, which are the seven plagues. And if you'd like to read Revelation 16, verse 2, please, and it describes this group. So the first went and poured out his bowl upon the earth, and a foul and loathsome sore came upon the men who had the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. Okay, so those who received the mark of the beast and worshipped the image of the beast, they sadly partake of the seven last plagues. This mm-hmm. is when probation has closed. Whereas there's another group... When you say probation, just... Probation has closed when everyone has made their choice. So okay. this is when everyone has made a choice whether they would be sealed with the seal of God or whether they'll receive the mark of the beast. Mm-hmm. So this is the sheep and the goats, mm-hmm. you know, the grain and the grapes that we looked at earlier that Revelation 14 speaks of in the context of the coming of Jesus. You know, one group will be grapes... They are the lost, sadly, and another group will be the grain. They are the ones that are the saved. So there's always been two groups, and there's always been you know, truth and error, truth and lies, light and darkness. Jesus said either you are with me or you're against me. There's the narrow path. There's the wide road. There's always two contrasts. You know, There was Cain, there was Abel, and so on and so forth. All the way down through history, we've had you know, two groups. And so in Revelation 15, 2, we have the other group that are sealed by God. And notice what it says about them. And I saw something like a sea of glass mingled with fire, and those who have the victory over the beast, over his image, and over his mark, and over the number of his name, standing on the sea of glass, having harps of God. Okay. Now, does that sound like the group you'd like to be part of? Absolutely. I love this. I love this verse because they have the victory over and over and over and over again. (laughs) Mm, They have continual victory. Victory in Jesus. Yes, exactly. So these are the ones that are on the right side of eternal history. Mm Mm-hmm. And so we need to know we need to know what the mark of the beast is and what the seal of God is because as we pointed out they, these two are a contrast uh, they are opposites and as we pointed out earlier there is no way God would say do not receive something that is of eternal consequence and then not make it abundantly clear God's never done that and he has given us the scriptures, mm-hmm. the light, the truth, so that we can know the truth. And as John eight thirty one and thirty two says, where Jesus said, "You will, you know, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free." So, how can I avoid getting the mark of the beast? How can I be part of that group that receives the seal of God 
on their forehead. And by the way, you can only receive the seal of God in the forehead, whereas you can receive the mark of the beast in the forehead and in the right hand. You cannot, you cannot receive the seal of God in your right hand. Are we going to unpack that now? We're going to unpack that. We're going to discover okay. what that is as we go along. So firstly, let's discover what the seal of God is. Because when we know what the seal of God is, which is what we want, then it'll be, as Watson said, elementary, my dear. You know, <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be just as simple as simple can be what the mark of the beast is because they're opposites yes. and it'll become crystal clear, like so simple that a three-year-old can understand. Mm-hmm. So You're safe when you're sealed. Oh, you're safe when you're so sealed. So important. we're going to take a look at the significance of the seal and the seal ink. Okay. All right. So how can I avoid getting the mark of the beast? All right, we need to be sealed. Okay, mm-hmm. now Revelation speaks of the seal. So if you'd like to read Revelation 7, verses 1 to 4, please. After these things I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the sea, on sorry, on the earth, on the sea or on any tree. Then I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God, and he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea, saying, Do not harm the earth, the sea, or the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. And I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel. Okay, wow. So here we have those who are sealed at the end of time. And so we have we have God saying, do not let those winds go. Now, what are those winds? What, what, what are those winds that... Um, winds of strife, winds of war, winds of... Okay, so, so this, is, this is still probation. Mm-hmm. Probation. There's still time. There's still time. To and make God's, a choice. Exactly. So God's saying... The, the choices are made. The final choices are made. Before those choices are locked in, do not let those four winds go, which are the seven last plagues. And so, and, and Daniel 12, 1 talks about that time of trouble such as never was. Now, it's interesting here, we're going to look at um, what, what the seal is. In Revelation 14, 1, it describes um, the seal in a slightly different way that gives us some more important information on what we are looking at when we look at the seal of God. Do you want to read Revelation 14, 1? Then I looked, and behold, a lamb standing on Mount Zion, and with him 144,000, having his father's name written on their foreheads. Okay, is this the same group? It As is, 144,000. That's right, yeah. So in Revelation 7, 4. They were sealed. No, they're sealed, 144,000 in their mm-hmm. foreheads. Here we've got 144,000. Having their father's name written on their foreheads. So the seal is synonymous with what? God's name. With God's name. Okay. Now, a name in Scripture represents what? Character. Character. We've looked at that. And, I mean, we've been studying um, the book of Genesis at the moment. Um, those who are of the Seventh-day Adventist church community, we've been studying the book of Genesis. And at the moment, we've been dealing with the story of Jacob. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And Jacob, whose name is supplanter, deceiver, one who takes by the heel, um, his name was changed from Jacob to what? Israel. To Israel, which means what? Overcomer. Overcomer. One who has wrestled with God and with man and has overcome. Yeah. Did Did this group overcome? Do they have the victory? They're standing with the lamb on Mount Zion. They sound victorious and they have harps. Exactly. And it's interesting, the 144,000 here are described and some people are like, does that mean there's only going to be 144,000 that are saved? 
how many people are in the world, Danny? Like 8 billion people almost. That's today too. There was many more before that. I mean, that's less than 1% of this world's population. (laughs) If Jesus was to come right now, would be saved. Are you telling me only 144,000? Is this a literal number? No. No, it's not. Well, because it's it's also like they're taken from the 12 tribes. Uh Uh-huh. And they're all males. Yeah. And And they're all virgin males. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's not me. No. So, but, and those tribes don't exist today no, in their they purity. Don't. So. No, they don't. So this is symbolic, mm-hmm. just like the book of Revelation is symbolic. Written in signs now, and symbols. Now, I'm sure some of our listeners are going to be typing in their question <laughs> regarding this because this is, this is also a very interesting question that comes up a lot, doesn't it? Zero four triple eight seventeen sixty two four. Yeah, feel free, far away. Um, but, yeah, this is a symbolic, uh, a symbolic group. Okay. Now it's fascinating when you take a look at the tribes and how they are listed. It's interesting. Judah, who was not the first son of Jacob, he was the fourth. Mm-hmm. He's listed first. Mm-hmm. Why do you think he's listed first in Revelation seven when the twelve tribes are outlined and and not all twelve are listed? There's a couple of them that are not listed. Dan and Ephraim are missing. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Because they were involved in apostasy and idolatry in a major way. And so that's not going to happen in the end time God's people. There's not going to be any apostasy, falling away from truth, and there's not going to be any idolatry because they follow the Lamb wherever he goes. They are committed to Christ and Christ alone. Now, why do you think Judah heads the, heads the list at the front of the queue? Well, he did come to represent the character. His character was mm-hmm, representing, mm-hmm. well, he reflected the character of Jesus in the end of his life. Uh-huh. But uh, his name means something good. <laughs> yes, indeed. Where did Jesus come from? What tribe did you? The Jesus... lion from the tribe yes, of Judah. Yes, yes. So who's at the front of the queue? Jesus. Jesus Christ is at the front of the queue. Mm. Isn't that powerful? Here are those who follow the lamb wherever he goes. They're following the lamb wherever he goes. That's Revelation 14. Mm. So can you see the... The, the powerful connecting points here, mm-hmm. just right here. And it's interesting. If you want to read through, this is really interesting. Well, I'll, I'll get Charissa to read this. Um, I didn't put this together. I got this from um, a, a wonderful ministry called Amazing Facts. And um, a guy, God, uh, Pastor Doug Batchelor, who's, who's just fantastic, and he, and he just brings out all these in- interesting insights. And whenever a baby was born um, to the four wives, I guess, of Jacob, um, she gave it a name and she made a statement. Of mm-hmm. what the meaning of was. When you put all those together in order, what do we have? Do you want to read that for us, Sharissa? This so, is fascinating. And it's interesting because this is based on the order of how the names appear yeah. in, in Revelation, Revelation 7. 7. Yeah. So this is what it means. I will praise the Lord for he has looked on me. Granted good fortune, happy am I. My wrestling, he is making me to forget. God hears me, is joined to me. He has purchased me a dwelling. God will add to me the son of his right hand. Wow. Is that the plan of salvation right there? That is so powerful. That is so powerful. So we've got the whole plan of salvation in the 144,000. These are God's sealed people at the end of time. Praise the Lord. Well, we are going to continue this in-depth Bible study right after we hear Andrew Peterson bring us this song called In the Night. So stay with us and don't go away. I am weary with the pain of Jacob's wrestling In the darkness with the fear In the darkness with the fear But he met the morning wounded with a blessing So in the night my hope lives on 
When Elisha woke surrounded by the forces of the enemies of God, the enemies of God, he saw the hills aflame with angels on their horses. So in the night, my hope lives on. Oh, in the night, oh, in the night, oh, in the night, my hope lives on. See the slave that toils beneath the yoke unyielding, and I can hear the captive groan, hear the captive groan. For some hand to stay the whip, his foe is wielding. Still in the night, my hope lives on. I see the armies of the enemy approaching, and the people driven trembling to the shore. But a doorway through the waters now is opening. So in the night, my hope lives on. Oh, in the night, oh, in the night, oh, in the night, my hope lives on. Son who thought he'd gone beyond forgiveness, too ashamed to lift his head. But if he could lift his head, he would see his father running from a distance. In the night, my hope lives on, and I can see the crowd of men retreating as he stands between the woman and their stones. And if mercy in his holy heart is beating, then in the night my hope lives on. Son of Mary, he was gentle as a lamb, gentle as a lamb. He was beaten, he was crucified and buried, and in the night my hope was gone. But the rulers of this earth could not control him. No, they did not take his life; he laid it down, and all the chains of death could never hope to hold him. So in the night, my hope lives on. And I can see the Son of Man descending. And the sword he swings is brighter than the dawn, and the gates of hell will never stand against him. So in the night, my hope lives on. Oh, in the night, oh, in the night, oh, in the night, my hope lives on. Oh, in the night, oh.
listening to Andrew Peterson bring us in the night, and we we are just talking here about the seal of God. But before we continue, a reminder that the today's code word for the prize, um, if you're one of the first three people to send it in, is the word seal. Very appropriate. We're talking about the seal of God, S E A L. And today's book is As the Light Lingers Basking in God's Word. If you don't know how to study the Bible, don't know how to read it and really gain something from it, because you really need some tools to help you there, this is a book for you. And so yeah, if you're one of the first three mm. people to text in the word SEAL to 04888-17624, that book will be yours. Mm, fantastic. Great book. Great book. You want to have that in your library. All right. As we press on, this is uh, an exciting, it's a big subject. It's an important subject, Sharissa. It is. As we have discovered. It's a big crisis at the end of time. It is. It is. And this is what um, the eternity of the entire planet will hinge on. You know, the understanding, the acceptance, and ultimately the decision that they'll make, whether to be on the side of God's seal or sadly the side of, of Satan's seal or mm-hmm. Satan's mark. And so what's the significance, Sharissa, of having the seal of God or the Father's name on the forehead? What does the scripture have to say regarding why is it so significant? Well, if we read Second Timothy six nineteen, the Bible says, Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands having this seal. The Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Okay, so how important is it? That we are sealed by God. It's a found solid foundation of God. It's the, very important. It is. It says the Lord knows those who are his. Mm-hmm. And those who are his will depart from iniquity. That's fascinating. And what's iniquity? Sin. Sin, lawlessness. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting that you have one group who received the mark of the beast, and you've got another group in Revelation 14 that keep God's commandments which is the opposite to iniquity because they are seeking to follow God's law, not to be saved, of course, but because they are saved. They love God's law. They meditate on his law day and night, as David wrote in Psalm 119. Now, it's interesting, the significance of a seal. I looked into this um, a little more closely um, after reading this devotional that you've also got from a United States minister of the gospel and evangelist, and he's a speaker um, by the name of Dwight Nelson and his little devotional, The Chosen. And I picked this up from him, these five points. Do you want to read those five points? And in particular, the fifth point really caught my attention. Okay, so the significance of a seal, mm-hmm. it's proof of ownership, number one, proof of authenticity, number two, proof of approval, number three, Proof of irreversibility, as in the case of King Darius and even in Jesus' tomb, it was sealed. And point number five, a significance of the seal is that it is proof of likeness. Ancient kings used cylindrical seals to roll their likeness onto something soft or soft wax so that all who would later see the seal would recognize the likeness of the king. Wow. That's beautiful. Isn't that beautiful? (laughs) Because I see where you're going. (laughs) Yeah, so... That last point in particular, okay, proof of authenticity and approval, we're going to look at that. I'm going to give a a very concrete example that every Australian should be well aware of. But I love that that, that final point. The seal was placed um, by ancient kings on soft wax so that everyone who saw that seal, it was was, was the, 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 the likeness of the king, 
so that everyone who saw the seal knew who this seal was from because they could see the likeness of the king in that seal. And so God's seal on his people is the likeness of his character upon his people. And that's so beautiful because in Revelation 14, you were just saying the 144,000 have the Father's name mm-hmm. written on mm-hmm. their foreheads, mm-hmm. his character uh-huh. reflected in their thinking. And that's what a seal their was. Their minds, their foreheads, the, their choices. Exactly. And so the seal is the likeness of the person giving that seal. Mm. And so God's end time people have the likeness of the character of the Father. And that is why they follow the Lamb wherever He goes. So this is a big deal. So here we have, this is, this is not anything about a vaccine. This is not anything about a computer chip. This is not anything about any barcode. This has everything to do with God's character imprinted on those who have chosen to follow Him and give their lives to Jesus Christ and, re- and, and re- received His gift of salvation. Amen. What a beautiful picture. Powerful. A beautiful picture. All right, now when it comes to a seal... We have all encountered a seal. Let me say that straight away right now. Well, so, let, let, let me just. Our the, food is sealed. <laughs> our food is sealed. <laughs> there are many, there are many that possibly haven't, but if our listeners have ever picked up a coin, an Australian coin, they would have come face to face, excuse the pun, um, <laughs> with the face on the Australian coin. Okay, now the face on the Australian, the Queen, yes, she is on the Australian coin. Any Australian coin from five cents all the way to two dollars has the Australian, sorry, has the Queen, who's going to be celebrating her Jubilee, I understand, 70 years, 70 years years as a Queen. God save the Queen. Absolutely, absolutely. And everybody else who puts their faith and trust in (laughs) Jesus. Um, And on the one dollar coin or 50 cent or whatever, whatever coin, You've got the three elements of a seal. Now, an official government seal has these three elements. Mm -hmm. The name, Mm -hmm. the title, and the dominion or the, you know, the authority of that person, what their jurisdiction is. And so on the coin here, we have the name. Do we have the name of of the person that that has the authority to issue this coin? Yes. What's her name? Elizabeth II. Elizabeth II. So there's her name. Title. Do we have a title there? Well, she's the second, so she's the queen. How do we know she's the she's queen? She's wearing a crown. Yes, that's what I was looking for. She's wearing a crown. She's wearing a crown, so that's her title. She's a queen. And do we have a dominion or her authority, her jurisdiction? Australia. Yes, Australia. So Queen Elizabeth, her name, her title is the crown that is on her head and her jurisdiction or her dominion is Australia. Mm-hmm. So that is a seal. Now, we need to ask ourselves, whereabouts in Scripture will we find God's seal? These three elements, name, title, jurisdiction or authority. And what do we read in Isaiah chapter 8, verse 16? Bind up the testimony, seal the law among my disciples. Oh, the law, the law of God. Mm. Is there a group in the third angel's message that keep God's law? Oh. There is at the end. Yes. It says in Revelation fourteen twelve, here are those who keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus. Wow. So those who are sealed keep God's law. Patience of the saints, yeah. The patience of the saints. And so they are described in Revelation fourteen twelve in contrast to those who receive the mark of the beast. So the commandments of God will be front and center mm-hmm. at the end of time. Now it's interesting that you find that in Revelation twelve seventeen, which we won't take the time to read, but you know the dragon is enraged with the woman and goes to make war. 
with the remnant or the rest at the end of time, you know, those who keep the commandments of God. And in, and in Revelation 22.14, it speaks of those who enter the New Jerusalem. Well, do you want to read that? Revelation 22.14, those who enter I the New Jerusalem. Verse. It says, Blessed are those who do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. Mm, and we won't take the time to read verse 15, but there you have those who are outside the New Jerusalem. And guess what? They are the commandment breakers. Mm. So two groups, commandment keepers, commandment breakers. Once again, those who love God's law, those who love and reflect his character. That's right. Those who don't. That's right. Remember we read earlier, those God knows those who are his, they mm. are sealed, they depart from iniquity, which is transgression of true, God's true. law. So we need to ask, whereabouts in God's law do we find his seal? Okay, so it's in his commandments. The Bible's very clear on that. God's end time people are his commandment keeping people. They have the faith of Jesus. They are the patient saints. They are persecuted by Satan um, at the end of time. So we need to discover whereabouts in God's law do we have these three elements. And what were those three elements again? You have to have a name, a title, and territory. And territory. Okay. How many commandments of the ten have those three elements? Well, I'm just looking at it right here, and I can only see one. There's only one. And where is that commandment to be found? It's like a bullseye. <laughs> it's a bullseye. Where the is it? The fourth commandment. The fourth commandment, which is in the very center of the Ten Commandments. Yeah. It's right there in the very center. And guess where? In ancient times, the seal was placed by the king in the very center mm. of the law that he gave or the command that he gave or whatever it was. It was right there in the center. And what's fascinating is that ancient seals... Um, were placed um, on on documents or on say on stones that were written. The same thing was written on both sides, front and back. Mm. And guess what? The Ten Commandments were written on both sides. Hmm. So you've got front and back. So two tablets of stone, mm-hmm. and they're written on both sides, as in front and back. Mm-hmm. Because where the seal goes, it would you know it would obliterate um, the you know what the writing was and so on the back side you would have the you know the unobliterated version mm. yeah you can read about that in um in the old testament it says the commandments are written on both sides front and back okay yeah cool in harmony with how things were done back then now the fourth commandment, do you want to read for us Exodus 20, verse 11? Yeah, because people might be wondering, so where did you see okay. the, ti- the name, right. the title, let's, the title? Let's have a look at Exodus 20, 11. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. All right, so Sharissa, tell us, where are they? Well, are they there? His name, okay. Lord. Lord, there's his name. Made, that's a title because that means he's the creator. He's the creator, yep. Um, made what? The heavens and the earth, the sea, all that is in them and rested. So his dominion, his territory is heaven and earth. There you go. So we have that in mm-hmm. the Sabbath. And it's interesting that when you take a look at Revelation fourteen seven, guess what? You have God's seal there as well. It's like a copy and paste. It job. is. Have a look at it. Could you read that for us, please? Saying with a loud voice, fear God, name, and give glory to him for the hour of his judgment has come and worship him who made, title, who made heaven and earth, the sea and springs of water. There's his dominion. Right so there. there we have God's seal in the first angel's message. Copy and paste. And guess where that original copy and paste came from that was in Exodus 20.11 and that was taken on by Revelation 47? It comes from where? Genesis. Mm. 
2 verse 3. Do you want to read the seal there? Oh, then God, name, blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because in it he rested from all his work, because he's the creator, that's his, uh, his title, which God had created and made. So all of his work, dominion as well. There you go. So right there in Genesis, we have God's seal. Mm. So God's seal all the way down through time. So this is why Satan especially will seek to attack God's memorial to creation. Yeah, because if he can get us to lose sight of the significance of that gift, that seal, then he's really got us Absolutely. in a dangerous place where he can deceive us, Absolutely. destroy us, and discourage us. Indeed, indeed. And so, so God's seal, as we see, is right there in the very heart of the Ten Commandments. It's the Sabbath at the end of time. It's the day of worship. It tells us who our creator is and why we ought to worship him. And it's interesting if you want to read Exodus 31, verse 13, and the language that is used there. Speak also to the children of Israel, saying, Surely my Sabbaths you shall keep, for it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. Mm, that word there, sign and seal, are interchangeable. And so the Sabbath is a sign between God and his people that he sets them apart as holy. Mm. Isn't that very powerful? It's amazing. So we've put all these pieces together. So is it pretty clear what the seal of God is in the book of Revelation? Yes. And it's, God's, it's in the heart of his law. We're sealed mm-hmm. with his law. It's the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. A settling mm-hmm. into his wonderful mm-hmm. truth and Amen. allowing his character to be reflected out. So God's Sabbath is his end time seal. Mm-hmm. Okay, that, that, That's really, really powerful. Now, how are we sealed? What does Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30 say? And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Mm-hmm. So how are we sealed? By the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit seals us. So the Holy Spirit is not the seal, but we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. Mm. A lot of people have thought, well, the Holy Spirit is the seal. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you can't receive the seal without the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is the one that seals us Absolutely. for the day of redemption. Now, it's interesting, as I, was, uh, as I was taking a closer look at this third angel's message, it says those who receive the mark of the beast have no rest day mm-hmm. or night. What's the Sabbath all about? Rest. Rest in Christ. Yeah. So they've re- rejected the rest. They've rejected the rest. Of the Redeemer. Yes, indeed. <laughs> and, um, you know, we could go on and we could talk about the Sabbath rest. And, the, you know, the book of Hebrews speaks of those who enter into his rest. Mm. Jesus said, you know, um, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. rest. So those who refuse Christ, those who refuse his gift of salvation, those who refuse his gift of rest, in the, in, in the day, in the Sabbath day, they refuse Christ, the Lord of the Sabbath. Mm. If you refuse the Sabbath, you're refusing the Lord of the Sabbath. And so that's why this is a big deal at the end of time. And those who pass away just before Jesus returns, it says in Revelation fourteen thirteen that they may rest from their labors and their works follow them. So basically there is only rest in Jesus. Only True rest, rest in comes Jesus. in Christ. Only rest in So we're up to the big question now. What is the mark of the beast? And oh. I can't wait. We've run out of time. It's a cliffhanger. <laughs> May as well. we got a beautiful song here. The Forbes family are going to bring us These Are They. I love this song. I know this one. So I think everyone's going to enjoy it. And we'll be back right after. 
Wild upon the Alpatlas John beheld the glorious sight A number which no man can number Praising God in worlds of These are they who won the battle These are they that stood the test Holding God in spirit's spotless to Faith FM, Positively Different Radio. The Breakfast Show, bits worth repeating. A court in the United States has just set a precedent that a day of worship is not a protected attribute under the U.S. Constitution. So this was a federal appeals court ruled that a former U.S. postal worker who sued the U.S. Postal Service for requiring him to work on Sundays. And they said, no, this is not a protected attribute. Interesting precedent that that sets in relationship to people who actually really sincerely hold it, like Jews Mm. or Seventh-day Adventists who keep Saturday, some Muslims who keep Friday, Mm -hmm. and some Christians who keep Sunday as a Sabbath day. And moving forward, it sort of makes you wonder, okay, if this is not protected under the U.S. Constitution, well, first of all, since when was this not protected under the U.S. Constitution? And what implications does it have for things like Revelation 13? Mm. This was a segment from The Breakfast Show. Join in each weekday morning here on Faith FM. Hey everyone, you're listening to a repeat of our live show, Looking Up. That's right, and if you think this is good, you'll definitely want to tune in on Wednesdays at 3.30 to join us for the live event, because you can actually participate. It's a free giveaway that you can claim, you can text in your questions and prayer requests. Live is so much more fun, so catch you then. Rete says he's ready for the possibility of some hard decisions, if they're recommended. We, we, we absolutely have to, and if we have another flood like that, 
in two or three years and we've just gone back and done the same thing again and lives have been lost, well, I would feel personally responsible. Nikki Elliott, Air News. The federal government's newly sworn-in cabinet have taken their first official photo on the steps of Government House. Labor's front bench holds the highest ever proportion of women, with almost half of the leadership team being female. Prime Minister Anthony Albanese will lead the country with a majority government after securing 77 seats in the lower house. A new and less invasive fertility treatment could give new hope for women trying to conceive. In vitro maturation, or IVM, is when eggs are matured in a lab instead of a woman's body. Sydney's Royal Hospital for Women obstetrics professor William Ledger says eggs are collected after two or three days of hormone injections. So once the eggs are in the lab, the kappa process matures them slowly for two days, and then we add the sperm to fertilise them, make the embryos, transfer an embryo to the patient, And the big news is that in studies around the world, the pregnancy rate from IBM is now the same as for IBFs. Children in custody will no longer be strip-searched under new laws to pass the Tasmanian Parliament. Civil liberties groups have raised concern about the practice. The Commissioner for Children and Young People, Leanne McLean, says it's significant reform that will protect the best interests of children and young people in custody. Briefly in other news, a Ukrainian court has sentenced two Russian soldiers to more than 11 years in prison for war crimes. And it's the end of an era for retailers in New South Wales, with single-use plastic bags now officially banned. This is Air News. Well, you are joining us. We are here at Looking Up. This is our final leg of our Bible study. The program's going very fast. I know it's going and very fast. I forgot fast. to check if anyone claimed the prize, but just in case you have Two people. Oh, there's one left. One left. The code word is SEAL. The book is As the Light Lingers. It's Basking in God's Word, a beautiful book by Nina Aitchison. And the number to text your code word SEAL to is 04 if you're quick, you'll get it. There's one left. Okay, so dial in and, well, text in and away you go. All right, we're going to have to land this. And so we, we, we ended up at the cliff edge asking the question, okay, if the seal of God is the Sabbath at the end of time, this issue that's going to divide the world, what is the opposite to the seal of God, which is the mark of the beast? So what could the mark of the beast be? Well, once again, we have to go to Scripture. We don't go to Google. We go to Scripture as we have done in this Bible study. Have we gone to Google once? I don't think we have. We have. We've just gone to the Scriptures. We've looked yep. at Scripture after Scripture. We've put all the pieces together. We've done what the Bible says, here a little, there a little, line upon line. And we have discovered what the seal of God is. So, in brief, in brief, because I'm going to have to summarize in brief, in Daniel chapter 7, God says there is a system. It's called the Little Horn Power, and we discovered that's the Roman papacy, which has been the understanding of Protestants for hundreds of years, the Roman papacy being the Little Horn Power in Daniel 7.25, that it would attempt to change God's times and law, tampering with God's law and tampering with God's times, his prophetic times, as well as the time element that is in only one commandment. There's only one commandment that has a time element. True. And that's the fourth commandment. Absolutely. And I was just thinking in connection with that, it says he will intend. He will intend. Some versions say he will think. Yes. But he can't change. He can't. Well, you can't. You can't. Yeah. No man can change God's law. I mean, God wrote it in stone. 
Um, and, and only so, God can make amendments to his law, but it's perfect. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So God gave us those perfect Ten Commandments. And we were, we were also taught, uh, sorry, we were also clearly told in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4 by the Apostle Paul that this power would be called the man of sin. We know what sin is. Sin is lawlessness. Son of perdition. So it's an inside power because Judas is also referred to as the son of perdition. And this power would seek worship that belongs to God and God alone. So Satan receives worship through this power. Now, our friends, the Roman Catholics, have openly claimed how they feel about changing God's laws. And so straight from the Church of Rome, the Catholic Ferrari's Ecclesiastical Dictionary, would you like to read this statement from the Church itself regarding what it has done to God's holy law? Well, the quote here says, The Pope is of so great authority and power that he can modify, change, or interpret even divine laws. The Pope can modify divine laws since his power is not of man but of God. Okay. Now, I would just hasten to say I think many sincere Catholic people don't actually know this. No, they wouldn't know this, and there are many that would hear this and would be abhorred. Mm. and be like, no, that is impossible. You know, there is no way the Pope is of such great authority that he can, you know, modify, even change. Well, they don't know this statement exists. Oh, they don't know this statement exists. Exactly right. Exactly right. So so that's why we are sharing what the Bible teaches and what history has recorded. Um, now, I have the Catholic Catechism from 1977 in my library, and there there is a question and answer section. And you want to read that question and answer section in connection with this. The question says, Why do we observe Sunday instead of Saturday? Answer, we observe Sunday instead of Saturday because the Catholic Church transferred the solemnity from Saturday to Sunday. Okay, changed, transferred, it's the same term. Affecting times. Exactly, times. God's law. Exactly, and that's exactly what we read in Daniel 7.25. So then, this statement came out just just under 100 years ago, so in 1923... That's amazing, this statement. This next one, folks. This one, this one, like, you know, seals it um, (laughs) as far as what the mark of the beast is. Um, So this is from the Catholic Record of London, Ontario, Canada, back on September 1, 1923. So a question was asked, you know, uh, what is the mark of the church's authority? What gives the church the right to change God's holy law, you know, to change the day of worship from Saturday to Sunday? And do you want to read what the church... Um, wrote back as its response. This is incredible. This is the quote. Sunday is our mark of authority. The church is above the Bible, and this transference of Sabbath observance is proof of that fact. Okay, so the church openly admits that Sunday is the mark of its authority, that it has authority given to it by God, as it claims, which is not biblical, but it claims that through Peter, um, the Church of Rome has the authority to change, interpret even divine law, and that Sunday, transferring the solemnity from Sabbath, Saturday, the seventh day of the week, to the first day of the week, to Sunday, is, is, proof of her is the proof of her authority. So, in a nutshell, the Sabbath, which is God's seal at the end of time, is the opposite to Sunday at the end of time, which is the mark of the beast or the mark of the Church of Rome, which which will be rolled out worldwide. The sign of the beast's authority. The sign of the beast's authority 
ultimately, it's a sign that you have given your allegiance to the enemy. And um, there's so much more that can be shared on that, but we won't have time to go to Ezekiel chapter 8 and 9. But in Ezekiel chapter 8 and 9, these are two powerful chapters where the abominations are shown to Ezekiel of what's taking place in the temple in Jerusalem. This is just before the destruction the complete destruction of the temple by King Nebuchadnezzar in 586 BC. And there's one abomination that follows another, that follows another. There are four abominations, and the fourth is the climax of the abominations, and that is where God's uh, God's leaders have their backs toward the temple and they have their faces towards the east worshipping the sun. Mm-hmm. And then after that, in chapter 9, there's a ceiling and there's the marking. We have those that are sealed for life. We have those who are marked sadly, to be lost. So in Ezekiel 8 and 9, we have the picture of what's going to happen at the end of time. We've got, we've got you know, um, Sunday worship, we've got a mark, we've got a seal, we've got salvation, and we've got destruction. So Revelation is borrowing heavily from Ezekiel chapter 8 and 9. That's very interesting. And I guess the question that maybe all of our listeners might be wondering as well, okay, so you've just told us what the mm. mark of the beast is, but does anybody have it right now? Okay, well, let's go to the Scriptures. Would you like to read Revelation 13 verses 16 and 17 for the answer? Okay, so the Bible says he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Okay, so the question we need to simply ask is, are we now at a point where if you do not worship or or hold Sunday as this day of, of authority, are you are you um, uh, inhibited from buying and selling today? No. So you're not. So, so that means, I guess, no one has. The so mark of the no beast one right has now. the mark of the beast today, mm-hmm. because this has not been enforced. But it will be. It will be. We're going to discover who this he is that causes the whole world. We're going to discover that next week when we look at the image of the beast. Oh, so, another cliffhanger. So that's for next <laughs> week. But it's interesting. It says the right hand or the forehead. Now. The right hand in the Bible is a symbol of works. It's a symbol of actions. You know, whatever your whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. That's in the book of Ecclesiastes. Mm-hmm. Whereas the forehead is is a symbol. Well, or well, the right hand is a symbol of being forced. That's coercion, and the forehead is a symbol of willingly receiving this mark, and you are deceived. So there's coercion and there's deception. And you find mm. that in Revelation 13, which we're going to look at next week in greater detail. You can see too, like the right hand is like being led along, just following the crowd. Yep, yep. Just everyone else yep, is I doing like that. it. I'm going to do it too. That's fantastic. That's a great point. I haven't thought of that. But yeah, mm. taken by the hand and just led. Mm. Um, so the right hand equals being forced into something that you don't necessarily want to do, but you're doing it to get along. Mm. You know, going along to get along, as, as we say. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because COVID played out in this exact same scenario. And that's why a lot of people were wondering. Yeah. There were those that got the vaccine because they needed to keep their jobs, because they wanted to travel, because they wanted to go visit family, whatever, go into a hospital and a whole bunch of other things. Then there were those that believed that it was the best thing to do. It was the right thing to do. It would keep everyone safe. It was just the right thing to do. So you had groups. You had two groups. You had one group who took the vaccine because, yeah, they believed it was the right thing to do. So they did it in their mind. So they did it willingly. 
and I'm not saying they were deceived. It's got nothing to do with that. I'm just using this as a as, as, as an illustration. And then you have another group who who knew that you know. No job, sorry, no jab, no job. Mm-hmm. So they did it in order to keep their jobs. Yeah, it's certainly not the mark of the beast crisis, no. but it smelt like it. It smelled like it, and, and it so was it a bit of a dress rehearsal. Yeah, it was. So the ingredients yeah. of the mark of the beast crisis were rolled out in in the COVID in the COVID mm-hmm. scenario, and um, so yeah, so that's really really interesting. Now there are other things I could say um, in in connection with this. Um, you have, well, I might just briefly mention this. People can go to Deuteronomy. I think it's chapter 6 there, chapter 5, chapter 6, where, where God says, you know, write my law, you know, on your hand and, um, and put it, you know, and, and write on your foreheads. And, and a lot of Jews, and even, even today, just took that literally. We call it phylacteries. And I've been to Jerusalem there at the Western Wall, and you've got Jews, you know, who write um, God's law and they sort of tape it on their right hand or on their hands and they also put this little box on their forehead, this phylacteries, and they literally are seeking to have God's law literally on their hands and on their forehead. But this is not a literal um, thing that we're talking about in Revelation. It's symbolic of what's in the mind, of what's mm-hmm. in the heart, and what's in the actions. All right, so we've only got a couple of minutes left and <laughs> want to look at is there a growing call to set apart Sunday as a special day for worship, family, rest, preserving the environment, eradicating poverty and much more? We could spend the whole hour at least on this. And the answer is what? Yes, there is. Mm-hmm. There is there there is plenty and um, various popes, um, especially Pope John Paul II, Benedict and Pope Francis, the last three have been promoting Sunday as a day of rest, you know, Mm. that the whole world needs um, for family, for the environment, and um, and just for 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 basic health and well being. There's an interesting um, uh, an interesting paragraph here that comes from Laudato Si, which was that you um, say that really well. <laughs> I'm sure I mucked it up. You know, for people and for planet. You know, on care for our common home. That's that encyclical that Pope Francis put out in 2015. Do you want to read this paragraph? It's paragraph 237. This is really, really the fascinating. Whole thing? Yeah, the whole thing. On Sunday, our participation in the Eucharist has special importance. Sunday, like the Jewish Sabbath, is meant to be a day which heals our relationships with God, with ourselves, with others, and with the world. The Lord of weekly rest forbade work on the seventh day quoting exodus twenty three twelve, so that your ox and your donkey may have rest and the son of your maidservant and the stranger may be refreshed rest opens our eyes to the larger picture and gives us renewed sensitivity to the rights of others and so the day of rest centered on the eucharist sheds its light on the whole week and motivates us to greater concern for nature and the poor Okay, fascinating. a lot of buzzwords there. There is a lot. So, so here, 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 Pope Francis is saying that Sunday will heal our relationships with God, with ourselves, with others, and with the world. So, this day is being rolled out as the day that's going to bring the world into unity together in this time of crisis and chaos that we find ourselves in. This is where we are heading. 
Wow. And we're going to look at this a lot more next week. Oh, so this is like a two-parter then. Yeah, so, and, and, and there is a lot more on that, but I'm going to leave it for next week um, on that when we look at the image of the beast all and what right. that's all about. All right. Well, thank you so much, Pastor Danny. We want to hear some final comments from you just after this beautiful song called Remember the Sabbath. How appropriate. Uh, beautiful song by Lady Love, Reggie Smith, and others. Enjoy. I don't know 
what is. That was just beautiful. Well, as we come to the end of our Bible study today, two epic topics, two contrasting themes, the seal of God and the mark of the beast. Pastor Danny, what were some final thoughts you'd like to share? Well, my final thoughts are going back to Revelation and what we need more than anything else is to have a close walk with Jesus. Mm -hmm. We need a close walk with Jesus today and every day. And that close walk with Jesus needs to grow more and more and more. Mm -hmm. Because the reality is if we are sealed with God's seal through the Holy Spirit, which is a connection with Jesus Christ, we do not need to worry about receiving the mark of the beast. We don't need to worry about that. If we follow the Lamb wherever He goes, which is what Revelation 14 speaks of when it speaks of those who have the Father's name, the Father's character imprinted in their minds and in their hearts, they follow the Lamb wherever He goes. The Lamb is Christ. And so if we're following Jesus, if we're walking with Jesus, if we're in a daily relationship with Jesus, if we're sharing Jesus with those around us, we do not need to be afraid of the mark of the beast and and those that will you know, suffer the seven last plagues which will be poured out upon those who have the mark of the beast because we follow the lamb wherever he goes. We have the rest that is in Jesus. And so we do not need to be afraid. We can be at peace. We can be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who were in the fiery furnace. And I believe the Bible doesn't say it, but I believe that they were probably singing and praising the Lord <laughs> because they had Jesus in their midst. They were sealed with Christ, mm. and they did not need to be afraid. Daniel in the lion's den. I'm sure. I'm sure he sang praises to his Creator. Um, and so, whilst ever we have Christ in our hearts and in our lives, we do not need to be afraid. So, focus on having a relationship with Jesus, and you'll be sealed forevermore. Amen. I love that. And I guess it's just that beautiful reminder too that prophecy is never meant to scare us, but it is meant to prepare us. God loved us too much to let us come upon the final events of earth's history unprepared. Mm, Indeed. Indeed. To know him and to love him. Well, would you like to close with prayer? Absolutely, absolutely. Father in heaven, we just want to thank you so much for the prophetic writings that you have given to us. And as uh, Sharissa has so rightly pointed out, it's not designed to scare us, but to prepare us for what is coming upon this world as an overwhelming surprise. Lord, you don't want us to be surprised. You don't want us to be caught off guard. You don't want us uh, to be caught napping. Lord, you want us to be wide awake, alert, and in tune with you, and in love with you, in relationship with you, Lord, and preparing others for your soon return. Lord, the signs are shouting at us. They're not telling us. They're shouting at us. They're uh, with, 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 with the loudest possible shout that your coming is near even at the door. And Lord, I pray that as we prepare for your coming, as we continue to look up, that we'll encourage and invite others to look up as well, because indeed our redemption is drawing near. We can't wait to see you, Lord. We want to be part of that group that will sing praises to you forevermore. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Pastor Danny. And uh, you did hint already at what we're talking about next week. Mm, Just want to remind everybody. It's like a two-parter this week. Yeah, it is a two-parter, yes. So what's next week? Well, next week we're going to look at how the mark of the beast will be implemented. What does the Bible have to say? How will this be rolled out around the world? Where will it begin and what will happen and, and what's happening right now as we speak? 
So I think everybody will want to be here for that. Oh, you won't want to miss that. You tell won't your friends, want to miss that. Tune in. <laughs> and your enemies. Tell everyone. Everyone, <laughs> tell everyone needs to hear this. Amen. So we we'll look forward to that. And again, thank you for today's Bible study. Stay with us here in Faith FM. I think we're going to the live drive time mm-hmm. show in Adelaide. So so many oh. good things on this oh. channel. Just love it. One after the other. And uh, as we land the plane, just want to remind you that fear looks around, regret looks back. But faith always looks up, so keep looking up, and God bless you all till we meet again this time next week. Keep looking up, don't give up, don't give up when there's pain deep in your heart. Keep looking up, don't give up, don't give up should the tears begin to start. With a prayer, all your cares He will cast into the depths of the sea. His love is always.